I'm your host, Alexander Hefner, and you're listening to the audio podcast of The Open Mind. I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, Amber McReynolds. She's a governor at the United States Postal Service, founding director of the National Vote at Home Institute, and principal and founder of Strategy Rose. Amber, a pleasure to see you today. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Amber, since your confirmation to the Board of Governors at the USPS, what have you learned most intimately about that organization and how it functions and how it could function better? Sure. Well, I was confirmed last summer, so I'm I'm just at a year serving on the Board of Governors. Uh, The Postal Service is an incredible organization uh, founded actually the year before our Constitution was uh, was in place, and and it's also outlined in the Constitution as an entity that will provide uh, universal service for all Americans and bind the nation together uh, and connect citizens. Um, and that's been since the founding of our nation. So it's a critical piece of our history and our infrastructure. Uh, and we take our job very seriously, uh, the board as well as the management team. And uh, we have 650,000 employees. So it's a huge and diverse workforce, uh, over 32,000 locations. And we deliver to about 165 million doors every day. So. It's an incredible operation. It's an honor to serve, uh, and I take it very seriously and, and and will continue to do so. For those who are not familiar with the Vote at Home Coalition, Amber was and is a pioneering election administrator and leader in spearheading the shift in Colorado before the pandemic happened um, so that folks could vote in Colorado by mail. Um, and you took that experience with you to USPS, having led the coalition and wanting to modernize the electoral system so that people can freely vote from any state by mail. Um, What specifically being on the inside of the Board of Governors now, have you learned about how you can most effectively accomplish what was your mission at Vote at Home? Sure. Well, and and two different things. I mean, you're correct. I I was an election official for 13 years, left my position in 2018 uh, to go start a nonpartisan nonprofit uh, that was focused on improving vote by mail systems and access. And we did that in a bipartisan way. The the legislation I, I worked on in Colorado now uh, nine years ago was bipartisan and it was designed by clerks that were Republicans and Democrats and and I myself as an independent were were involved. Um, We did it to improve the customer experience and the voters experience and give voters options. And that's really what it's about. Um, It's also about ensuring that the system is fair and accessible and secure and transparent and reliable. Um, And 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 that certainly has always been my mission. Uh, the Postal Service, you know, is not by any means an advocacy organization. Uh, they are administrators of of processes that customers utilize, whether that's businesses or individuals or, in this case, election officials. And the Postal Service has a has a big role in elections and always has. Uh, separate and apart from the policy conversations around vote by mail, the Postal Service is an integral part of election mail broadly, and that includes a lot of the requirements that 
were put in place by the federal government and by Congress with the National Voter Registration Act. It includes requirements that were put in place in the Help America Vote Act and also UACAVA uh, and Yamuva, which were both federal acts and legislation to improve military voting. And the Postal Service has a major role in, in ensuring that ballots are delivered to not only in-state uh, and in-country military members, but also our overseas citizens. So the Postal Service plays an integral role. Um, since I got there, obviously, given my background and experience in elections, election mail and improving that within the Postal Service is very important. When you think of what you hope to accomplish during your tenure to streamline processes and make voting more accessible, but, you know, the, the mail system overall more seamless and accessible to folks, um, do you as a member of the Board of Governors, have a, a, a particular goal in mind um, that you specifically hope that the board and the USPS can, can accomplish when it comes to um, the effectiveness, speed of delivery, or ways to ensure the accountability of uh, vote by mail that were not in place prior to your joining the board? So a few things, just to be clear, uh, the, the board is very much a board of, of uh, just like a board of directors would be for a, you know any Fortune 50 or Fortune 100 company. So uh, the management team has responsibilities over specific actions and, 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 and whatnot for the team. And the board is really giving that strategic direction and, and, and vision and setting that and then holding management accountable, obviously. So what I'm trying to do is, you know, given the experience I have, um, make sure that that election mail and government service, uh, that includes state and local government service, uh, is a priority. And, and we've already demonstrated that since I've been on the board with uh, the reorganization of the uh, new team internally, but also uh, the chairman has established uh, a special election mail committee that I that I chair for the Board of Governors. So we've, you know, elevated this to be a priority, uh, and we will continue to operate that, you know, election mail committee for the for foreseeable future. Um, and then I think the other piece is, look, I really want to make sure that we are responsive to our customers, uh, namely election officials. And, and already the division and the new head of that division has prioritized that. Uh, there's a huge focus internally you know, amongst the management team on this. Um, and we will continue at the board level to monitor the metrics, monitor the field uh, performance um, and how we're doing this. Uh, the other thing I'll just say is, you know, the Postal Service has been creating new technologies around tracking, including informed delivery that, that was rolled out a few years ago. Many constituents are using that for their mail. Obviously, there's new tracking technology for packages, um, but also there's something called intelligent mail barcode uh, tracking, which uh, you may recall I um, spearheaded an effort with my team when I was at the Denver Elections Division to launch the first ever ballot tracking system in the country that would track mail ballots. And that was way back in 2009 and 2010, if you can believe it. Um, and, and that was all based on using that intelligent mail barcode data. Uh, so I think that certainly one of what I would like to see is more widespread use of that tracking uh, technology and that tracking information so that election officials have more visibility, transparency, and accountability of election mail. 
and when I say election mail, that includes ballots, but it also includes uh, other pieces of mail that go out in official in an official capacity from election officials to voters. Um, and there's other opportunities. You know, I think the National Change of Address database, which um, about 35 million Americans used in 2021 to update their addresses. Like there's a huge opportunity for election officials to leverage the National Change of Address database that's being you know managed by the Postal Service to update voter records, ensure the address lists are accurate, and ensure voters are going to get their ballots at their addresses. Uh, so those are just a couple of examples. There's many others um, that the Postal Service uh, provides support to election officials around the country, and and will continue to do so, and continue to look for those opportunities for more efficiency, more accountability, more transparency, all in an effort to provide better service for constituents. There was concern during the 2020 presidential election about the politicization of the agency, specifically the postmaster general now being on the inside. Are you concerned about that? So first in 2020, um, I think the postmaster general, and you know, again, this is this is a year before I got there, but um, he was, uh, I think, hired and then started around the first part of July. Uh, the stories around sorting equipment or slowing down the mail started before he even walked in the door. Um, and and what I would say is, I think that you know, 2020 there was a lot of misinformation and disinformation around a lot of issues with with regards to election mail um, and elections broadly. And I do think the Postal Service. Uh, it got caught up in a lot of that bad info and were put in a terrible position. Um, they, like every organization, like every business, like every government entity, struggled with COVID. We had very high rates of COVID amongst our carriers, but also the people processing the mail. And the mail continued, the packaging uh, delivery continued, and the Postal Service was providing a frontline critical service during the pandemic that millions and millions and millions of Americans relied on. Um, and yet they were suffering from COVID uh, impacts to staff and uh, illness and sickness, just like everyone else was during that time. So it's no surprise that they felt uh, some of that, especially as COVID cases spiked during different parts of, of the year in 2020. Um, and the other thing, um, you know, there was a lot of news around uh, blue boxes being replaced or moved or sorting equipment being taken out of facilities. That was actually part of a normal uh, process. And actually, I knew that the sorting equipment story uh, was was likely not accurate because I, I had toured many postal facilities, especially in Colorado, uh, when I was an election official. And years ago, I think it was in 2012 or 14 during one of those elections, I toured, you know, the the night before an election. And as I was touring, there was a, uh, some tarps and plastic covering some of the large sorting equipment at the Denver General Mail Facility. And I asked them about that. I said, why is that you know, equipment tarped? And they said, it's not, we got new equipment to replace it, but we don't have enough money to actually pull the old equipment out of the facility because it's all built into the walls and it's from you know the 70s and 80s. And it was this um, very large uh, sorting equipment that had they just didn't have enough money literally to pull out of some of these facilities. So some of that movement started in 2020 to make room for newer, uh, not only packaging, but also mail sorting equipment. Um, the pictures and the images, 
you know, clearly the Postal Service should have uh, perhaps done a better job of, of explaining to the public what they were doing, but it was part of a normal uh, process to replace equipment. Same with the blue boxes, those get moved and replaced. So a lot of them, if they're rusted out or older, they need uh, new boxes to replace them. But also if uh, in a particular area of a town, uh, it's not being utilized, uh, and they can see that with the number of pieces of mail that are getting dropped in those boxes, they will relocate it to a few blocks over or another vicinity uh, where there might be higher traffic or higher usage. So both of those things kind of happen normally. Um, and I do think that the, that some of the stories were um, uh, just incorrect with some of the facts surrounding uh, some of those uh, pieces. Just And again, this is based on my experience with both of those issues over a long period of time before coming on the Board of Governors. This period of time, anticipating the midterm elections in 2022, do you feel that we are more equipped to handle the changing landscape, which really in, in many states meant uh, a significant increase of their share of mail-in votes? So, and, you know, even with all the issues I mentioned in 2020, uh, the Postal Service performed really well in the general election with regards to deliver to delivery. Uh, the on-time delivery for mail ballots specifically was the highest it had been uh, in any presidential prior on record uh, for the Postal Service. So they really, you know, dealt with those significant COVID impacts, um, but also responded to uh, the moment in 2020 with how many people were voting by mail and really tried to make sure that all operations were uh, prioritizing and focusing on that particular part of the mail stream and and it worked and they they had good performance in November of 2020 uh, and then 2021 you know with some of the improvements that I've already mentioned with the uh, less of an impact with COVID sickness and illness by carriers and by other workers within the postal stream delivery got even better in 2021 during the elections that were held then and similarly during this primary season in 2022 those delivery, those on-time delivery rates have continued to go up and, and, and be more positive. So I think all these things combined are working. Uh, can we do more? Yes, we can do more. The staff is focused uh, on our core mission, which is delivering the mail on time and making sure that we provide universal service. Uh, and the board is focused on all the metrics around that. We, we want to make sure that we're operating at a level that the American people can can be proud of and can get good service uh, with it. And we're going to continue to, to do that. And I have no doubt that the team will uh, make sure that all the election mail uh, and, and, and voters' ballots get delivered on time. And, and if issues arise, that those get addressed immediately. That's reassuring because with the lack of confidence in U.S. government institutions right now, um, the USPS has, has been a sacred ground and to hear you reassuring the public that you can trust the USPS, the postal service with your mail-in ballot and all of your other mail for that matter. I think it, it makes a real difference. Yeah, that that's right. And I think, you know, look, this has been um, our one of, it's the oldest institution I think that, that we have. Um, and like I said, there, there has been problems over the last few decades, whether it's management, or uh, cost issues, and you know we've been underwater for many years, which means we haven't been investing in in newer technology and modernizing our facilities. 
and now we're doing that. But this this is doesn't get fixed overnight by any means. Uh, it's a massive organization. You know, like I said, six hundred fifty thousand employees, thirty two thousand plus facilities. All of the all of this is going to take time. But certainly there is uh, a plan and a focus in place. And like I always say, look, if we need to make adjustments to that plan uh, due to other circumstances that that arise or other issues that pop up, we need to be ready to do that. But uh, what's great is that, you know, the team and in, in conjunction with the board before I arrived, I uh, did work out a, a plan at the 10 year uh, delivering for America plan. There's many great positive things in that plan um, that that will help all delivery uh, times get get better across the board and also create better working environments for for our workers um, and frankly plan for the future because uh, all of this is changing in a very dynamic way and nobody expected a, a worldwide pandemic um, and the postal service has been you know on the front lines of that responding um, and like you know like you probably know we also did uh, the test kit rollout which is tremendously successful. Uh, we did the full supply chain on that. So the preparing of those test kits, uh, handling the requests through the website, uh, and then delivering all those test kits. And so millions and millions and millions of Americans have benefited from having those extra test kits out there while COVID cases have been fluctuating over the last year or so. So that was a significant project. We're very proud of it. Uh, the team turned it around very quickly. Um, and I think, you know, it's it's also another example of um, how the Postal Service can rise to the occasion and serve the American public uh, in a very positive way. To give folks a sense of that landscape, of course, in your native Colorado, as well as in Washington State and Oregon, folks vote entirely by mail. In 2020, in many states, that increase was significant, many-fold. Um, you know, there's states like Vermont and New Jersey and in California, Nevada, that in, increased markedly, um, but in in most states, including the so-called swing states or very competitive purple states, Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, um, and even in um, more less populous, more conservative states that did pride themselves and still do on voting in person, um, there were significant increases from, you know really minimal voting by mail to, um, you know, 25 to 30, even close to, to half of the population voting by mail. Uh, do you think that is going to stick with, with these uh, upcoming midterm elections that um, we will uh, retain the large populations that are voting by mail in most states? Well, so a few things. I mean, first, just I just want to clarify. Um, you mentioned Colorado, Washington, Oregon. So, yes, we deliver a ballot to active registered voters before each election, and they can vote that ballot at home. And you can mail it back, or you can drop it off at a drop box, or drive up, drop off, or in person. Uh, so you have a lot of options. In fact, more than seventy percent of Coloradans usually vote uh, by returning their ballot to an official Dropbox and actually not mailing it back. Um, and then we also, Colorado has an extensive in-person voting network of vote centers. So if you wanna vote in person, uh, you can do that during the two weeks prior to an election or on election day. So we're all options here, but we do proactively 
uh, deliver a ballot to voters through the mail stream uh, so that they can have that choice and they have that expanded access and they can make the best decision for them uh, in the period of time that they have. Um, and, and then on all the expansions you mentioned, California, you didn't mention Utah. Utah actually went to a full vote at home system right after Colorado did. Uh, it's obviously a very red state traditionally, and they've had vote at home for a long time. Arizona was more than 80% vote, vote by mail uh, during the 2020 cycle and prior. Um, so this, you know, what's unfortunate about all this is uh, unfortunately one uh, candidate and, and some of his um, followers decided to politicize a method of voting that has been accessible for every single American, every voter, regardless of partisan stripes, for decades and, and going back all the way to the Civil War. Um, many states like Florida and Arizona have used it widely, and uh, voters in those states have used it uh, to vote and vote safely and all of that. Um, and unfortunately, one candidate decide, decided to politicize this because he felt it wasn't going to benefit his interests during the election. And so now we've got to we've got to respond and fight back on that misinfo and that disinformation. Uh, there's even a new documentary out uh, called Democracy versus the Big Lie that, that dives into a lot of these issues around mail ballots. Um, so well, I think he, he didn't. He didn't politicize it as much as delegitimize it. Yeah, I mean, both. both, both. Yeah, I definitely both. Um, and frankly, he also is somebody who's been voting by mail for many years, along with the majority of the senators in the U.S. Senate. Most of them actually use vote by mail to vote, especially if they happen to be in D.C. during their uh, during a respective election. So. Um, you know, a lot of the politicians have been using it, but yet many of them that have been using it decided to uh, politicize it or attack it, which is unfortunate. And hopefully, you know, we can get past that. I think the, the you know, biggest and most important thing uh, is for voters to go to the trusted sources of information on this, and that is your local election official. Uh, it is not uh, a, a partisan politician that doesn't run elections. It is it is the local election official or the chief election officials in the state. They're the ones with the best information on this. Um, and I think voters are going to make the choices that work for them. If they decide they want to go and vote in person, have that option. If you want to vote by mail, you have the option in every single state. People always say to me, well, some states don't have vote by mail. Every state has one option uh, or another to vote by mail. It's harder in some states than it is in, in, in other states, but the option is there um, and you can check out the requirements and rules uh, in your state to determine if you're eligible and what the deadlines are to request a ballot, but every state offers it in one form or another. And we'll see what happens with what voters choose and the choices they make this November. Amber, we're about out of time, but I must ask you about this. Um, it, with the overturning of Roe, one of the preserved forms of both contraception and reproductive care is through the mail, um, and specifically abortion medication, uh, as opposed to having a procedure or surgery. Um, there is very clear signs that in states that have banned that have banned abortion that has now been sanctioned by the Supreme Court, um, that there is full enforcement of that. Um, and one of the things that is a concerning possibility of that enforcement is the confiscation of abortion pills that are delivered by mail. Uh, how are you going to ensure accountability um, so that states are not confiscating 
uh, male or particular political agendas are um, leading to folks uh, having their mail confiscated? Well, so a few things. So first, the, the Postal Service is a federal entity and our employees are federal employees that provide service in every state. Uh, secondly, um, we do not get in the business of monitoring you know, medication or people's medication that are delivered by their doctors or, you know, prescribed and, and sent via mail. Like that is not um, something that we get involved in doing. We leave those decisions to the provider and and the uh, the customer that's, that's you know, receiving that um, package or, or medication. Uh, so that is not in our domain to, um, to monitor in any way. We're not going to get um, in the middle of that. Um, in terms of, we have not seen any states attempt to disrupt or uh, interfere with the delivery of mail. Um, again, this is a federal process. Uh, our employees are federal employees. Um, and then also, I would just point out, you know, the FDA approves, you know, medications, and then the providers can send those out uh, depending on what the needs are for customers. So I don't, I don't anticipate um, the postal service modifying any of our of our current procedures and processes for delivering uh, medication. So in, in, in a word, you're not concerned at the moment about states interference in that those federal processes and the federal mail delivery, um, because that's that's what I was alluding to. Governors whose policies are so fervently sure. uh, anti-choice or anti-reproductive care that, that they would take extreme measures, but you're not concerned about it at this moment. I think we'll we'll see what happens. Right now, we have not seen any any direct impact uh, after the the decision, um, but it's you know something that uh, that we will certainly monitor because it is mail matter that we are delivering, and and like all mail matter, I mean we are getting uh, you know pieces of mail or packages from point A to point B. That's our role, and you know if if there's uh, attempted interference with that that impacts other. Uh, provisions of our requirements, then, you know, of course, we're going to have to get involved. At this point, I haven't seen anything happen yet. Uh, that doesn't mean it won't. It doesn't mean that I'm not concerned or others aren't concerned about that. Um, but again, we will we will um, abide by our, um, our standards, our procedures, our process, uh, and what we're required to do under the law. Amber McReynolds, a member of the Board of Governors at the USPS, founding director at the National Vote at Home Institute and principal and founder at Strategy Rose. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Please visit the Open Mind website at 13.org slash openmind to view this program online or to access over 1,500 other interviews. And do check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Open Mind TV for updates on future programming. Continuing production of The Open Mind has been made possible by grants from Ann Olnick, Joan Gans Cooney, Lawrence B. Benenson, the Engelson Family Foundation, Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, 
Joanne and Kenneth Wellner Foundation, and from the corporate community, Mutual of America.